I'm Blake. I'm Caleb. And this is the Sunday Underground. How? Um, let's see. It's almost the end of the year. Yeah. How did you have a good Christmas? You had a good Christmas. I did. It was all right. I enjoyed the break from work. Um, enjoyed my family. Yeah. Me too. It was nice to be able to sleep in. I feel like I never get to sleep in. It was nice. Yeah. So I didn't really have anything to do. So it was very nice. Oh man, I was running back and forth everywhere. Mm. I'm I'm still tired today. <laughs> but let's see. So today we're going to talk about bizarre deaths and then um next week to kick off the new year, I have a fun one that we're going to talk about um predictions for 2023. Oh, that's past cool. Predictions that have came through. So Okay, yeah, that's really cool. Yeah. So Today we're doing the bizarre deaths, and these are deaths that, you know, are bizarre. They're not normal. So let's get into it. First, we have David M. Grundman. Now, David and his friend Joseph, they were in a desert just hanging out in Arizona. Uh, David was having, you know, like a little round of target practice with his 16-gauge shotgun, and he decided to shoot a saguro cactus. You know, those really, like, yeah. huge They're ones. Gigantic, yeah. Yep. So he shot a small one first and then decided that he wanted to aim for an even bigger one. So he stopped about 10 feet away, aimed his gun, and then fired. Now, the cactus that he shot at was about 26 to 27 feet tall, and it was around 100 years old. Wow. Now... This guy had no time to get out of the way. A 23-foot portion of the cactus fell on him and impaled him with its spikes. Yeah, I wonder how big the spikes are on a cactus that size. I don't know. I'd have to say they're probably like a, like four or five inches long. I don't know for sure. I'm not an expert with I mean, cacti, right. but that's a huge cactus, and yeah. it's 100 years old, so yeah. it would probably be pretty large. Yeah. So not only did he lose his life that day, but destroying one of these, like, cacti, that's a, like a lower misdemeanor because they're protected by the Native Plant Protection Act. Mm -hmm. So he died and also broke the law. Yeah, I've seen where people um, pay thousands of dollars to get these, like, harvested and um, planted like, mm -hmm. in front of their business or whatever because they have to have a special truck and everything to, like, lift oh, wow. it because it's so big. You know, yeah. I don't know, it just takes a lot, like $10,000 or something to just, have a, a cactus planted. Just leave it alone. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Next uh, is Michael Farley. He was a former New York congressman, and he was born in Ireland in March 1st of 1863. So he moved to America when he was 18 years old, and once he got to the States, he became a tavern slash like saloon business owner, and he was super successful at it. So through that success, he was elected to the House of Representatives in 1914, but he wasn't too good at his job. More oftentimes than not, he was absent from the meetings, and eventually he lost his seat in the next election. October 6, 1921, he was shaving his face and noticed that he had a little pimple on his chin. So over the next 48 hours, it began to spread across his face and like down to his neck. Mm. October 8th, 1921, two days later, he went to New York's Bellevue Hospital, and he was just in, like, immense amounts of pain. 
The doctors figured out that he had contracted a strong form of anthrax and began to administer anti-anthrax injections, but at that point it was just too late. He passed away that same day, and it turns out that his shaving brush was contaminated with bacillus anthracitis, I think is how you say it. Okay. I'm probably saying it really wrong, but <laughs> that's it's okay. some form of anthrax. Mm-hmm. And it's a fatal bacteria that's found in wild or domestic animals. So his um, little shaver thing that he put the shaving cream on, they're generally made yeah. out of like boar bristles. Yeah. Yeah. So I have a boar's hair like brush. That's prob- scary. Probably should throw it away <laughs> just to be on the safe side. The next guy we have is, and I'm super sorry, this is going to be, I, you know what, and I even Googled how to pronounce this. It's just this name does not work with my brain, so I'm going to mm-hmm. give it a go. Okay. His name is Ismail Abin Hamad Al-Jahari. I'm 90% sure I said that right. <laughs> so this guy, he was an inventor, and he was actually killed by his invention. So... This guy, you know, he was born at the end of the 10th century in a city called Farab, which is now Kazakhstan. So when he gets a little older, he goes to Baghdad to study, and he is just obsessed with flight. Uh That is like his jam, wants to study nothing else. So he studies really hard and plans and eventually comes up with a glider that looks like bird wings. And this is where he goes to the city of Nishapur in the year 1008. He climbs to the top of a mosque to test out his invention and then plummets to his death. Oh, no. Poor guy. He just wanted to fly. Yeah. Well, it didn't work out. It happens, I guess. (laughs) All right. So now we have Randy Rhodes, um, which I think you're familiar with. He's the Ozzy Osbourne guitarist. Yep, was. was. Yep. Uh, Randy started playing at an early age, and he was just obsessed with it. Um, He played and practiced so much that his mom even took him to the doctor to make sure that he wouldn't have any long-term damage to his hands. When he was 16, he and another guy started Quiet Riot, but then that really wasn't working out for him anymore, so he moved to Ozzy Osbourne's band. On March 19, 1982, Randy and his bandmates and friends are visiting Jerry Calhoun in Leesburg, Florida. Jerry lived near the Flying Baron Estates and was friends with Ozzy's bus driver, Andrew Acock. That night, Randy, Andrew, Rachel Youngblood, she was like a seamstress for the band, Mm -hmm. they decided to go flying since Andrew had a pilot's license that was expired. So (laughs) they all climb into the Beechcraft uh, plane and they do a couple of laps over the tour bus that was parked next to Jerry Calhoun's house. They would do laps over the bus, just like trying to tap the top of the bus, um, which just sounds like an absolute awful idea. Yeah, yeah. Sounds like like a teenager would do something like yeah. that. Yeah. So, well, on the fourth lap, um, they clipped the bus. Andrew lost control of the plane, hit a tree, and crashed into the side of the garage. Andrew and Rachel were thrown through the windshield of the plane while Randy was still inside the plane while it was engulfed in flames. The fire was so bad that Randy had to be identified by his jewelry and dental records. So that is a hot fire. 
Yeah, definitely. What a shame, too, because he was super, super, super mega talented. Like, he would have two and three guitar solos in the song. Like, like you said, he started playing at a young age. He was like a prodigy. Mm-hmm. And a lot of people were influenced by that guy. Uh, love it or hate it. Um, a lot of the bands you probably listened to were influenced. You yeah. Know? Oh, for sure. Yeah, played like classical style stuff. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Super awesome. Yep. So now we go to Bridget Driscoll. She was actually the first pedestrian death by an automobile. Mm. So in August 1896, Bridget travels from her home in Croydon, Surrey to London. She arrives August 7th to visit her daughter May and one of her friends. They're walking around, having a great time, and she decides that she wants to see the Crystal Palace. She goes to walk across the street and just stands there frozen and I'm assuming maybe it was like shock or fear because at that time there was only like 20, 20 vehicles in that whole area. Yeah. So she was probably just, you know, like, what is this? Right. So an automobile is careening straight towards her and it's driven by Arthur Edsall. She died that day because the car hit her and ran over her head. Numerous eyewitnesses stated that he was driving really fast, and one was quoted saying he was driving faster than galloping horses. The driver countered and said that he was only driving four miles per hour. So it's a he said, she said kind of deal. Western Times reported that there was plenty of room for him to move the car and that he just ran, like, right into her. So there's a ton of conflicting, like, information i guess or eyewitness accounts like some say he did it on purpose some say it was a total accident um but there was an inquest that was held and bridget's daughter may said that it looked like the driver didn't know what he was doing and was swerving all over the road Uh. so the death was ruled an accident and he just went on to live his life he may have been driving fast and didn't know how to control the car then yeah that's kind of what it sounds like. Just like not paying attention, you yeah. know. I mean, there was like 20 cars in the area. You're probably super pumped that you're driving a car. Yeah. And I don't think cars were the easiest things to drive when mm. they were, came out. No. I've yeah. seen like old like videos of it and they've got like three what looks like gear shifters. You gotta like pull <laughs> yeah. one back, press another one forward. So. Yeah. Doesn't look like the easiest task. Yeah, no power steering. Yeah. Can you imagine? Have you ever been driving a car and the power steering goes out? No, but I've had cars without power steering to begin with. It is just complete hell. I hate it. Yeah. When that happens, I'm like, luckily it hasn't happened in a while, but it has happened to me before, and I've been incredibly annoyed because you have to, like, just crank on the wheel to get it to turn. Oh, yeah, we're definitely pampered in those terms. Oh, for sure. So then we have Charles VIII. Charles VIII was a French king from 1483 to 1498. He was born on June 30th, 1470, and was a little bit on the sickly side when he was born and, like, throughout his younger years, but nothing that would have affected him from living, like, a relatively normal life. Um, He was actually 13 when he took the throne, but his sister Anne was regent in the early years of his reign. He has been described as, quote, young, weakly, willful, rarely in the company of wise men, and endowed with neither money or sense. So I'm getting the vibe that he probably wasn't that popular. Uh-huh. 
Um, April 7th, 1498, he's racing around the castle. He's trying to get to the tennis match that's going on outside, and he bangs his head on a door frame. He thinks nothing of it and continues on outside. Later that day, he collapses outside and dies right on the lawn. A lot of people think that he died because of the hit to the head he sustained. Mm-hmm. Um, but there are some other theories out there that I thought were worth noting. So ScienceDirect.com is doubtful that a little hit on the head was the cause of his death. One opinion is that he may have been poisoned. He was seen eating an orange from Italy that was given to him by his brother and the future king of France. He died shortly after that. The second theory is that he had a fatal cardiovascular disease, and it's said that he suffered from frequent headaches caused by arterial hypertension. And it's possible that he could have had a hemorrhagic stroke induced by the trauma of hitting his head, which if he had all those medical issues, that seems pretty likely that's what it was. Makes sense for sure. Or they also thought it could have been epilepsy. It was noticed by the uh, Venetian ambassador that he had tremoring hands. Now, fun fact about epilepsy. Back in this time, they thought that epilepsy was, one, contagious, and two, thought that it was caused by demonic possession. <laughs> yeah. So. Wild times, that's for sure. Yeah. It, that time is, like, pretty lawless, uh-huh. if you think about it. It's, oh, yeah. Uh, the last possible cause of death that um, they've, you know, kind of thought— but a lot of people lean towards they thought it could have been neurosyphilis. It ran ra- rampant after he invaded Naples due to the French troops raping a lot of like people and women in the area. Mm-hmm. Some symptoms of neurosyphilis include abnormal gait, confusion or poor concentrations, headaches, seizures, stiff neck, loss of bladder control, tremors and weakness. So maybe it was that. We'll never know. Yeah. Well. Now we have Horace Wells. He was an American dentist who kind of paved the way for using anesthesia during dental surgeries. Horace went to Hartford, Connecticut to practice in 1844. And while he was there, he noticed that the pain-killing properties of nitrous oxide or laughing gas. Um, The following year, he goes to the Mass General Hospital to show how like the patient wouldn't be aware of what was going on while the surgery was underway. He noticed that, you know, while he was like using the nitrous oxide that like, hey, this is perfect for dental con- procedures because dental procedures back in the day, holy smokes. Yeah. They're just ripping out your teeth. Oh, yeah, I know. Well, it, the the procedure, like it wasn't ex- successful as he would have liked because during his demonstration, the patient groaned, and that kind of made everybody think that it didn't work. And he unfortunately became a little bit of the laughing stock of the dental community. And to kind of rub salt into the wound, after his demonstration, his former partner, William Morton, did his own demonstration where his patient was put under with ether as an anesthesia, and his attempt was successful. So that would be like a big blow to your ego and self, like all of it to have to like discover something that 100 percent works and is still used to this day. Right. And then to have just somebody it could have been like an involuntary groan, you know, and that just blew his whole demonstration out of the water. Yeah, that sucks for that guy. Mm-hmm. Um, 
I feel bad for him. I don't even know him. Now, I don't think uh, he took it very well because he ended up in experimenting on himself with ether, chloroform, and nitrous oxide. Jeez. So he was really going at uh, it. Yeah. In, in, inhaling all those vapors really did a number on his mental state because he kind of went a little nuts. Mm-hmm. One day he was on the street and a local prostitute walked by him and he threw acid like on her shawl and it burned her shawl. She got lucky that... It didn't hit her skin because that would have been. I mean, he shouldn't throw acid anyway. No, no, no. Jeez. So he was then taken to jail, and while in his cell, he sliced his femoral artery and ended his life. To make it even more tragic, while he committed suicide, the Paris Medical Society was crediting him for the discovery of anesthetic gases. Unbelievable. Isn't that like what a tragic end? Yeah. You know? God. So now we have uh, Pope John VII, and this guy is just a doozy. He was the youngest pope in history, becoming the pope at just 18 years old. He was known for drinking, gambling, hunting, incest, and murder. One French historian said this about him. A robber, a murderer, and an incestuous person, unworthy to represent Christ upon the pontifical throne. This abominable priest soiled the chair of St. Peter for nine entire years and deserved to be called the most wicked of popes. So this guy was just really not what you'd expect when you think of a pope. You think of like holy and God and things like that are good, I guess. Some people don't think that, but I mean. Yeah. What is what they're supposed to be. What they're supposed to be. Exactly. Yeah. So he would invite women over to the palace and openly sleep with them. And a lot of people just, you know, they were like, this is not a palace. This is just a brothel. Uh There's nothing holy going on here. He slept with his niece. He also inherited his father's mistress and impregnated her. He killed a cardinal after he castrated him. He made toasts to the devil (laughs) and set houses on fire. But that's not it. He prayed to Jupiter and Venus while he was gambling. So, you know, not like your regular God. Like, please, God, let me win this card hand. He'd pray to, like, goddesses to help him. That's really interesting. I found it very interesting that he would make toasts to the devil. Yeah. And, like, no one... They didn't choose to, like, overthrow him or anything yeah. or, like, well, remove him? Or... They did because everybody was getting tired of his shit. Mm-hmm. And at this point, they bring in Otto of Saxony to kind of help him, you know, get on the straight and narrow. Mm-hmm. So John ended um, up making Otto the Holy Roman Emperor in exchange for protecting him from King Berenger. Otto And Otto, you know, I got to give this guy some credit. He really did try to help John. Mm -hmm. He thought that he was just, you know, a young boy and needed some guidance. But Otto was definitely wrong. In March 962, Otto went to fight Berenger for John. And at the time, John develops a friendship with Berenger's son, Aldebert. Otto finds out and he's pissed because he's fighting this war for John and, you know, John's friends with the enemy's son. Mm Mm-hmm. So Otto's pissed and he brings an army to confront John, but John flees before he gets there. They excommunicate John on December 1st, 963, and things settled down. Um, They got a new pope and Otto left Rome. 
And as soon as Otto left Rome, John comes back and just goes insane. He cut out the tongues of his enemies. He cut off their fingers and hands. And he would even saw their noses off their faces. So the next year, May 14, 964, John finally meets his end. It's said that he suffered a stroke while he was getting it on with one of his mistresses. But it's also reported that he was beat half to death by the woman's husband and died of internal bleeding. What a way to go out. So this guy, he lived it up. Yeah, sounds like it. A little too much. So now we have Adolf Frederick. He was the king of Sweden. Adolf reigned from 1751 to 1771. And I've read conflicting articles about his reign. Some say that there was nothing worth writing home about and that he was basically just a figurehead because uh, Parliament made all of the decisions for him. Mm. But I've also read that he did some pretty all right things as king. They had a lot of uh, civil rights and a long period of peace. And he also passed the world's first legislation on supporting freedom, freedom of press and information. So I thought that was... You know, a pretty thing to get done, like a pretty big thing to do while you're king. Yeah, absolutely. Um, His death is kind of unbelievable to me because I didn't know that you could die from eating too much food. (laughs) So right before Lent, everyone participated in, I think it's like Shrove or Fat Tuesday. Oh, okay. Um, So that night, Adolf ate lobster, caviar, fish, peppers, sauerkraut, boiled meats, turnips, and drink a ton of champagne. And then he had 14 cream-filled buns for dessert. That night was February 12th, 1771, and it's said that he died that night from digestive problems. I've never heard of that in my whole life. Maybe he had, like, some pre-existing condition, and yeah, that just made it worse. Yeah, because you look at, like... um you've ever seen like my 600 pound life or anything i mean people eat like three modern day pizzas breadsticks dessert two two liters and then they have like a snack an yeah. hour later, and then another full meal like an hour later after that like so i don't know i watched this one where this guy um he ordered like denny's breakfast i think it was uh-huh that was like enough to feed it was insane because it was genuinely enough to feed my family like four times. Yeah, yeah. And yeah. everybody eating their fill. Yeah. But didn't they don't die. Yeah. yeah. So isn't that weird? Yeah, so weird. Well, after he died, his son Gustav became king and he was awful. He was a dictator and pretty much stopped the freedom of press and then started a war with Russia that he lost. And he didn't get to terrorize everyone forever because he was assassinated. So not only did he die from eating too much, his son sucked. (laughs) Now we have Mary Resser. This is the last one. She's also known as the Cinder Woman. Mm. Mary was uh, from Columbia, Pennsylvania. And when her husband passed away, she wanted to be closer to her son and granddaughters. So she moved to St. Petersburg, Florida. She did okay there. She loved being around her family, but she really missed her home. Um, on the night of July 1st, 1951, her son came over to visit and they had a good time talking and, you know, eating. And then he heads home to be with his family. Mary gets ready for bed and sits down in her armchair to have a cigarette before she calls it a night. 
The next morning, her landlady comes over to deliver a telegram, but no one answers the door. She tries to go in, but the doorknob is really hot to the touch, so she calls the police. The police come and go into her apartment, and what they find is bizarre. The majority of the apartment was intact, so the top of the walls had some smoke damage, but the lower half of the wall, completely fine. Hmm. Like, no burn marks, no nothing. There was even a stack of newspapers that was left untouched. But the armchair where Mary was sitting was just almost a pile of ash. The only thing that remained of Mary was her foot in one black slipper, part of her spine, and her head. They described her head as, like, being shrunken. So some people think it was spontaneous combustion. Mm Mm-hmm chemical reaction in your body that causes it to burst into flames. But the FBI said something like maybe the cigarette caught her on fire because she was 170 pounds and flat fat is flammable. Are you serious? 170 pounds? They act like that would cause like an ex- I don't know. Just nothing about that makes sense. It seems very dumb. No, not at all. And then nothing else caught fire. Yeah, it I was mean, just her chair. It's definitely a phenomenon. Yeah. I've it, heard about it before. Yeah, so, so mysterious. I know. Maybe she did catch herself um, on fire with her cigarette. Maybe there was something like um, like an accelerant next to her, like, a, I don't know, a can of hairspray, whatever. And maybe that caught her on fire, or maybe it really was spontaneous combustion. Yeah, even with that, though, still, why wouldn't everything else just burn up? Like, carpet? Yeah, no, the the carpet, like, the way it was described is all of the walls, the lower half of the walls, nothing was burned, only the top half. And you think newspapers, those are just going to, Oh yeah, you know? People use those to light fires, like in their fireplaces or outside right. all the time. Those would 100% burn up quickly, but yeah, they didn't. I don't know, man. That's um, that's some like shit you'd see on like Unsolved Mysteries or something. Yeah, I've seen. I saw. I remember when I was a kid in the early to mid 90s. I saw an episode of something like that where there were cases, and it was just back then. I was like, what the hell? I don't know why, but I have this very weird memory. Uh, like the first time. I learned of spontaneous combustion. Mm -hmm. I just remember, like, for whatever reason, I was in in a car in the backseat. It was a little tiny kid when I heard this. Mm -hmm. I was terrified. I was like, I'm going to blow up in this car right now. Yeah, like it's a possibility that you can just catch catch on fire out of nowhere. Yeah, I I just remember Mm -hmm. as a child just being absolutely terrified. I would just burst into flames at any moment. Yeah. Very terrifying. Yeah. No bueno. I want to know more. I want to know more. There's got to be someone that studies this. I know. I know. You know what? And if I was a thinking person, I would have looked more into spontaneous combustion. I don't know how much our listeners would be interested in the science of it, but I found it incredibly fascinating. So I think, you know what? I'll do a little bit more research on it and then I'll come back and. Yeah, maybe find other cases or something. Yeah. Because there's got to be several, right? Oh, for sure. I mean, just. One case isn't gonna. No, yeah, I'm curious. I'm so curious. Yeah. All right, well, I'll I'll look into it and I'll yeah. let you know on the next episode. Okay. All right. Well, thank you for listening. Have a good day. Bye.